What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Next Generation Podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Blake. And I'm Will. And today we are going to be discussing the fascinating subject of space elevators. Let's go. I mean, I feel like we, we kind of talk about this in the past few episodes. <laughs> we, we haven't uploaded much, and we're trying to. We're really busy, um, and it's Christmas break, so we got to get this one out and we have a few good episode episode ideas for the future. Yeah, definitely. So definitely stay tuned for that. But um, we're going to be talking about space elevators today, which is maybe the future of traveling on yeah. planets. or leaving the future of leaving our planet. So for the past several decades, um, we've been to space in rockets, right? Um, but there's lots of downsides to getting to space via rocket. And for one, you're sacrificing a lot of expensive equipment um when it's thrown away so for example saturn 5 the entire rocket other than the crew module was basically scrapped after one launch yeah and if you like think about it when there's like so many things that like when that don't go into space that are just there for the liftoff mm-hmm. that don't get used just for the liftoff which is yeah pricey and it's expensive if you, if you look at a picture rocket i'm i'm holding a model of uh, NASA's SLS rocket. Yeah, he's right got now. a he's got a pretty um, nice collection. Uh, I would say about seventy five percent of the rocket doesn't even make it to space. Uh-huh. It's just Strictly helping for propel the yeah the crew into space. Because think about how fast you have to go to get yourself out of the atmosphere. Seventeen thousand five hundred yeah. miles per hour, and it's pretty pretty tough to generate all that thrust, especially mm-hmm. so. On a budget, so you know it is expensive and it does cost a lot. But um, I mean, there—that's one of the yeah. And so the issue is, every single launch, you're going through millions, if not billions, of dollars in equipment. And not only that, there are so many test launches. Yeah, exactly. And so this is part of the reason why SpaceX is going all reusable rockets. Starship, their fully reusable rocket, is the future of rockets because the fact that it's reusable. And so that's, that will lead to saving money and time and all of those sorts of things. But as of right now, rockets are still sacrificing a lot of expensive equipment. Um, I mean, there's also, it's not good for the environment. There's Yeah, right, because I mean, you're burning fuel. a lot of fuel. Most rockets um, run, their fuel is RP-1 or Rocket Propellant 1, um, which is really bad when it's burned for the atmosphere. So... That's an issue. I mean, yeah, we need to definitely cut down on all this carbon dioxide emissions because I mean, most relative, of you guys know, but it's not good for the environment and it yeah, traps heat. Relative to like, relative to the other things that we do to emit greenhouse gases into the atmosphere, rockets are like it's the, a good cause. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good cause. I'm not that upset. Um, but certain rockets, um, such as SLS that I'm holding right now or the space shuttle, um. Not the not the SRBs, not the solid rocket boosters on the side, but the RS twenty five engines at the bottom of the core stage, they um, run on hydrogen as their fuel, which burns when it burns. It's just water vapor, water vapor. Yeah, and we've talked about that in a few of our other episodes. I think uh, Blue Origin uses that. Yep. Um, but do you think that's like a possible cause for like inter like going to the moon or into orbit? Um, Is that like powerful enough? Hydrogen? Yeah, I mean. Because well, once you're in the space, issue, we talked about the in 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 our episode a couple I think it was maybe two episodes ago we talked about the issues of hydrogen, 
um, when we talked about yeah. the SLS launch. Uh, we did. So it's like, I mean, if you go, go listen to that, that we go more into depth because yeah. that's not really what our episode's on today. Yeah. But it's the smallest atom yeah. in the entire. Yeah. So there's process. lots of Problems. issues with hydrogen, but that's not really what we're talking about today. Um, um, so one of the things that uh, engineers are coming up with new ideas to help get us into space. Mm-hmm. And one of these things are the space elevators. Yeah. So the idea of a space elevator is you're using a fixed structure for smaller payloads. Um, and that would be a lot cheaper than rockets. Like if you take SpaceX's Falcon 9, for example, Falcon 9 is an extremely efficient rocket. It's the most efficient rocket out there right now. For I mean, even NASA, they were launching, I, I forget about when this was, it was a couple of years ago. Um, they were launching small satellites. Um, they're called small sats. And so these are small satellites. You don't need a big rocket for this. Mm-hmm. Um, this is typically when you would go to a, a company like Rocket Lab, which their electron rocket is a small sat launcher. Um, and so those there are designated rockets for small satellites. Um, and yeah. that was that was that is what uh, NASA would traditionally do. But since the Falcon 9 is so efficient and so cheap, NASA just bought a Falcon 9 launch instead of a designated small sat launch because Falcon 9 is so efficient. And when now we're about to compare Falcon 9 to a space elevator and space elevator is about is going to cut the cost of Falcon 9 by about 95%. So it's going to be so much more efficient even than the most efficient rockets there are. Yeah. And we're going to get into like the build and how this is possible because I'm sure maybe a few of you who haven't even heard of this are like thinking of this massive just elevator that goes like space that's obviously impossible. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get into the structure of how it's possible for there to be an elevator that gets us into space. Mm-hmm. So the Kármán line, which we've definitely talked about, is the edge of space, which is uh, exactly 100 kilometers high. Well, uh, let me just, clar- let's, let's just clarify. Let's clarify something. Exactly, but it's it's there is no true boundary to space. It's just the internationally recognized border. Like mm-hmm. it's not there's not an area where it's like just the Earth atmosphere ends and then there's a vacuum. It's not really like that. That wouldn't. But that's just an, an, that's just a line that we use to define the edge of space. But yeah. it's not. It's not. It's obviously not exact. So the common line is a hundred kilometers high, and the tallest building right now, the Burj Khalifa, which is kind of stretching the limits to human building is less than one percent of that it's almost one percent it's 0.8 kilometers high Mm -hmm. so obviously we wouldn't even just want to go to the carmen line we'd want to go much further than that Mm -hmm. up into really space like where we could get into orbit and stuff but not just the carmen line which is like suborbit um but so obviously like we said building like an actual human structure isn't really possible yeah, we so, can't just build a tall building. That's, that's not like it work. wouldn't work physically. Yeah. Um, so how do you think they're gonna do this? Um. So we're there's an analogy that I kind of like to talk about, and it's called the carousel analogy. So I just want, if you're listening, I want you to visualize something. Say I'm riding a carousel, and I am holding a string, and on the other end of the string is a rock. As the carousel spins. The, I'm, and I'm holding the string that's attached to the rock, the rock is going to start spinning with me, right? And then eventually, once you get to some point, the string is going to be taut. It's going to be, like, straight. And there's basically, the you can, you'd be able to, like, 
it's like a straight line. It's not like so curving. like same way like if you were just to like take a string with a rock and just spin around really yeah, fast exactly. in a circle, eventually the string would reach a point where it's complete straight line. Yeah, and that's basically this the idea that a space elevator is. You replace the carousel with Earth, and you you replace a string with a really big cable. And you can replace the rock with just anything, the or the payload. just anything that's massive. Um, like it could even be an asteroid. That's the mm-hmm. rock. Just something to hold it in place to make sure the line, is, yeah, is straight. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then from there, elevators can go. They can go up and down oh, the because coil the string. Yeah, because the cape, the massive cable that is going to be. Um, so straight line. The elevators can go up and down, mm-hmm. which is how this is all. Yeah, and work. they can stop at whatever, whichever altitude they please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether it be um, hundred kilometers or higher yeah. up, or it's not or thirty thousand kilometers. Yeah, exactly. So, um, do you have? Do you know what they're gonna try to use as the rock for this? Um, so elevator? there's been a bunch of uh, ideas. Um, I feel like could, like the whole thing it just has to be something with enough mass. So that could just be a satellite, or it could honestly, it just could, it could just be an asteroid. Mm-hmm. Just Do you think using that. an asteroid would be safe? Um, because probably like not. Because so, so, yeah, just honestly, it doesn't really matter. As long as much. we can do it with safety, and as long as the the cable is straight, how are they going to get a hundred plus, probably way more yeah. of cable? Yeah, so kilometers of cable. We're gonna well, we're gonna talk about later that later in the episode, but that's definitely gonna be a constraint. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna get to that, yeah. Yeah. So, the base station of the space elevator um, would be around the equator to maximize the centrifugal force. Yes, which um, is the word for like the this is that's yeah what's making the string straight. This yeah, exactly. Force. Um, so if yeah, uh. Um, and so an idea that was proposed was this base station that has the base of the cable could be a mobile ocean base. Um, so that way it could move away from severe weather or space okay. debris. Okay. Um, because if you're just locked in on one spot and there's it's a, a hurricane thick, yeah. going through, especially around the equator where those are quite common, that could be... In a so if it's, if it's a base that can move around and avoid these storms... Um, I think that would be safer, especially because if, like, the massive cable, if especially if there's, like, an elevator going up or down or anything like that, and there's severe weather or something hits it or something goes wrong, everything's going to go wrong and it's yeah. going to be a big problem. Yeah. Um, so current estimates say it'll take about five to eight days to reach the highest point, which is geostationary orbit. Um, is that 36? So, yeah. Kilometers? So... Geostationary orbit is well. Let, let me just preface this by saying um, there are a bunch of different orbit levels. So there's low Earth orbit or LEO, um, and that's the lowest orbit. And then that there's just above the Kármán line. Yeah. Um, and then there's orbits like geostationary orbit that are um, thirty-six thousand kilometers from the surface. That's from a hundred kilometers to, to thirty-six thousand. That's, that's quite a leap. Um, mm-hmm. So thirty-six thousand or um, geostationary orbit is quite far out. And if you hear the term geostationary satellites, that's how far out those geostationary satellites are. Those satellites are typically used for weather and TV, that kind of stuff. Um, And the reason that geostationary satellites are effective is because 
they move at the same rate that the Earth Earth spins. So a geostationary satellite is always going to be at this. It's always going to be over the same location on Earth. Compared to other satellites, they're constantly zipping around the skies, like SpaceX's Starlink satellites. So this is why it's going to work because, like we said with the carousel analogy, when you'll get to the point where this the rock in is moving at the same rate as you. Yeah, and but there's there's a specific length for that to work. It can't be too long and it can't be too short. Okay, and so, so in the Earth 000, analogy, yeah. in the Earth analogy, um, we're based the the cable would have to be thirty six thousand kilometers long. Exactly. Yeah, because oh, yeah. that's where geostationary orbit is. So then, do you think we would use like one of those satellites for? Um, I think that maybe, could be. but a, a, another way to think about it is the space elevator is essentially just a geostationary satellite. And then there's just a c- cable connecting it to Earth. It's nothing more than that. And then just c- elevators can go up and down as they please. And it only takes. I mean, I feel like it only taking five to eight days to reach thirty-six thousand kilometers. It's pretty good rate. So, do you know? Yeah, because it, it's going to take a lot of energy to power mm-hmm. these things because they're going to have to go. Are they using renewable far. sources? Uh, so well, when you're in space, that's basically the only choice. So lots of solar energy, mm-hmm. maybe nuclear, um, that kind of stuff. So, um, these elevators are they? G- they're going to be holding? Are they going to hold the module with the crew inside? Um, so they could be used for anything. Um, that that we use current rockets for today, mm-hmm. whether it's launching satellites into orbit. Because remember, we can stop anywhere we want. So we can go to any orbit cable. level we want. Um, and maybe I think they could use this definitely for like uh, exploration in the future. Yeah. Or I mean, we could hypothetically humans could ride too um, with proper like radiation shielding. Yeah. Um, because that would definitely be an issue. I uh, yeah. Um. So for um, the space elevator, when it's going all the way up, and how would like the capsule? So if there's an elevator. Eventually, the module or whatever is inside, for example, let's say we're going to the moon mm-hmm. and we're using a space elevator. Um, I mean, you couldn't obviously have a space elevator all the way to the moon. No, obviously not. But, like, the whole point is really to get us yeah. into... Yeah, the, um, spa- yeah the space elevator isn't replacing the rocket entirely. It's just replacing the it's replacing, liftoff. Yeah, exactly. It's replacing the liftoff. It's replacing the massive core stage of every rocket which that is, gets it out of the atmosphere. Which is why it's so much more cost-efficient. Yeah, because getting out of the atmosphere is the hardest part of rockets. Once you're in a vacuum, it's pretty easy because you can maneuver however you want with little fuel. But it's so hard to get out of our atmosphere because it's so dense and the, and gravity is so strong on our planet. Yeah, so with the elevator going all the way up, would there, let's say, like, we're using Orion to, like, get to the moon? Mm-hmm. If Orion was in the elevator, would there just be like an open door and Orion would just go out? Um, that, I I, like that I don't know the answer yeah. to. That's just going to... I mean, I don't think that's really important. Because this is definitely in the, to the future. It's not like going to be like something where we already have like a set date for like completion. Do you think so? Like, I mean, I have some notes later in the episode that I'll talk about. No, um, I, yeah, obviously. But like this isn't like something we're going to be talking about. Like we're, there's not like a set date to yeah. like 2030 or so... Yeah, <laughs> you think it's gonna happen in the next? No, I'm just I, I'm I'm not gonna say anything yet. Um, yeah. I okay. <laughs> so before uh, let's just continue it's hiding something from me. <laughs> let's just continue. Um, let's talk about the constraints of of a space elevator because so far all we've talked about are the potential benefits and all the great things that will come. And but how it works. With all great things come bad things, obviously. 
just so because let's that's start with world kind is. of the obvious. Thirty-six kilometers, thirty-six thousand kilometers of cable. How how are we gonna find that, or how are um, we gonna assemble that? So that's obviously an issue. Like, where are we gonna get all that raw material? Um, I mean, we're just gonna find it, I guess. <laughs> Mining away. <laughs> Um, and also another, another problem is going to be, imagine there's a construction accident and the cable falls. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be a terrific accident. If a 36,000 kilometer. Not even, just cable. like even, anything over one kilometer. Yeah. That That's would have. so high. The Burj Khalifa, the tallest building ever. If you've ever seen it in a picture if you've ever been to New York, all these buildings are so high. Mm-hmm. They're not even close to even one kilometer. 36,000 times that? Yeah. doesn't even seem possible. That doesn't even seem real. Yeah, and also, so the, the obviously, the, the largest problem is the cable itself. Um, it, because it needs to be strong enough to hold the counterweight's pull. The counterweight obviously being the satellite like or the asteroid. How thick is this cable going to be? Yeah, so um, that's obviously the biggest problem. And, like, back to our carousel example, you're, if you're holding the string, you're going to feel a tug from the string, right? You're going to feel a tug on your arm because there's because the rock wants to fly away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's being, yeah. So we're going to need a really, really strong cable. Um, and right now, as of right now, we don't have that technology. Um, so And solutions, possibly, could be engineered carbon nanotubes or diamond nanothreads. Right, but these materials have only been produced in really small quantities. Like, th- yeah, like th- this would be like you. You can't. I mean, I'm sure there is enough of each material, but finding it would really and like, what if it started like with the cable and we assembled it and it started working, and then there was a construction accident like after it it was already in like use. Mm-hmm. Where would we find another thirty six thousand kilometers, thousand like kilometers yeah. of cable? And the cable is gonna be it's gonna need to withstand micrometeorites, radiation, and atmospheric corrosion. Heat. All these, yeah. Like so there's there's lots of things that this cable is gonna need to withstand. Do you think there'd be like protection around the cable or would it just be like raw material? I don't know. Um I mean Possibly. So another so another w- solution was we could do it somewhere with a weaker gravity, like the moon or Mars, before we do it on Earth. Um, because we could do that with current materials because the gravity is weaker. Like, for example, we could build a space elevator with Kevlar right mm-hmm. now on the moon because that's strong enough to to work on the, with the moon's gravity. So then how do you think we would, um, we would do something? Like, how would we get it to the moon like how would we bring so I mean, much raw material through a rocket yeah that's that's just i mean how condensed p- could it really get yeah i mean that's just another roadblock that we might have to try to overcome just like we have in the past i mean um, yeah no, i think some of the stuff like w- we could be overestimating and we could be underestimating how technology will change in the next few years yeah. i think like 10 years ago technology Compared to today, it's an yeah. insane gap. Mm-hmm. So, can you imagine ten years from now what there might be? Yeah, we we don't we there aren't even like in like two thousand or in like nineteen eighty, no one was thinking about the iPhone. 
No one was even mm-hmm. like considering that to be like a thing. There's definitely something we're missing that's going to come up in the next few years. Yeah. So yeah, maybe definitely. that could help. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking about space elevators for the moon and Mars, but obviously there's lots of benefits of an Earth-based elevator. Um, and that's obviously inspired many to try to solve the problem. Um, so right, currently there's some countries or some companies in uh, Japan and China have plans to complete construction by 2050. We'll I mean, see. <laughs> maybe maybe it's sooner than that. Maybe we're just like, like I said, maybe we're overestimating our technology or maybe we're underestimating. I doubt we're overestimating. I agree. but like, Or I doubt we're underestimating. Yeah. No, I mean, wait. Yeah, I doubt we're underestimating. What our technology will do in the next 35 years, 30 years? No, yeah. You can't, You but you don't even know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. So I'm just based, I'm just going off of. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about this AI, like, where we might. I mean, but sh- also, um, how, like, by 2050, when they're proposed to complete construction, uh, going to space by rocket might be just as, if not cheaper, than space ele- a space elevator. Yeah. So we're just talking right now in current dollars. So much can our change. Current econ- our current economy. So much, I mean, like, so much will and can change, like. It's not just, like, there are so many things, like, in the environment that will maybe change by 2050. Yeah, I mean, right now, a space elevator would be ideal. But perhaps in the future... Yeah, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. And so by the time we finish construction... Maybe something else will come up, or maybe we won't need it. Yeah, so... It's obviously kind of hypothetical, but it's also possible. Yeah, I mean, there are legitimate... There is, I'm not even joking, there is even the ISEC, the International Space Elevator Consortium. It's a nonprofit to promote the development of space elevators. I cannot make this up. This is a real consortium. consortium. It's a non-profit. It's a non-profit. So, like, that's a real thing. This is not just some hypothetical, no. oh, future plan, whatever. But like, we people said, are so actively working on this today. Well, um, they're so they're working on how they can get these roadblocks to eventually get there. Because, like we said, oh my gosh. Dude, I dropped the elevator. I mean, the, <laughs> the Will dropped his microphone. The microphone. <laughs> I'm sorry if we just blew out your eardrums. Don't be listening to this on full volume. But um, <laughs> also, headphones are the best experience. But uh, I just think so much will change. So we never know. We'll we'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Um. So just going back to. Carbon nanotubes, um, which we were talking about what before. What the heck happened to your face? Oh, yeah, he's <laughs> smudging his eye black. Yeah, we just had a hockey game before this. We were wearing eye black, and I accidentally smudged it all over my face. Um, he looks pretty drippy. I should put a picture of him in the show notes. <laughs> um, Video podcast coming soon. Um, so going back to carbon nanotubes, um, this is a potential um, material that we could use in the future. Um, we have only developed small quantities um, so far, but there could definitely be a solution because, so I just want to talk about this for a little bit. Um, tensile strength um, is just a way to measure strength and it's typically measured in megapascals or PSI. Mm-hmm. And then obviously density can be measured as kilograms per cubic meter. Or density, like yeah, is just how much per, is... Like, or kilograms per cubic meter. Um, and so specific strength is the tensile strength divided by the density. Um, and in this case, we're using megapascals over kilograms per cubic meter. Um, is that more accurate? 
Uh, well, so basically, there's di- there's different ways that you can measure specific strength. Um, so depending on what you're dividing, but as long as you're if you're comparing two things and you're and you're using the same units of measurement, you can get a pretty accurate, just like reference frame. Okay. So the specific strength of a steel ca- of steel is zero point six three. Okay. Specific strength of Kevlar is two point five. Wow, that's guess, a big difference. Guess what the specific strength of a single wall carbon nanotube is? I'm, I'm it, it's more than Kevlar, right? Kevlar is two point five. Yeah, so it's it, more than that. Okay. More than Kevlar. Ten point four. One hundred. Oh my god. So carbon nanotubes are ridiculously strong, and we've obviously we've only produce them in small quantities but they could definitely be a solution yeah and obviously like i'm just just disclaimer um the specific strength that we just measured was we using those units of measurement um so if you use different units of measurement that will that'll result in different specific strengths but if you this is just to demonstrate scale um so that's basically the difference that's the difference in specific strength between all those materials so you think about how strong compared to like our hands and our strength steel can be. Carbon nanotubes is I mean, just yeah, a, it's steel, a whole different. Steel and Kevlar are really strong, but they pale in comparison to carbon, carbon nanotubes. nanotubes. So that's definitely a. But again, where are we going to find the material to produce that much of it? So yeah. there's a lot of constraints. There's a lot of possibilities. We've kind of gone all over them, but I think that's a basic understanding of what could be the future of space travel yeah. or Earth? Yeah, so, I mean, because of the risk that we were talking about before, we're going to have to do it right the first time, um, and so that's why someone suggested we do it on the moon first, because there's uh, the potential consequences of an accident are less severe. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to need to get it right, and I think that it's, I mean, it's a real technology that's being developed right now, and it's something that could be a reality in the future. So definitely an interesting keep, keep thing to keep an eye on in the future shall we head to trivia let's do it um for those who are new here trivia is five questions best of five wins if there's a tie we'll go into sudden death okay you want to start sure um what is the third most populated city in america i know this chicago that's correct because I know the first two are L.A. and New York City. Yeah. So, okay. Um, what year did the Berlin Wall fall? Um, it's in, like, recent history. Yeah, I know. If you're, like, within Gosh. five, I'll give it to you. I think it was... Um, 1990. I'll give it to you, 1989. That's that's really good. I, I was not expecting. Okay, this you're up. Okay. Um. What number is Jason Kelsey of the Philadelphia Eagles? Sixty. Or is it? I'm gonna go sixty. Sixty-two. Mm, I knew that. Oh come on, their new podcast, New Heights. It's awesome. I'm listening nice. to it. Okay, this one is definitely very gettable, and I think you'll probably know this. <laughs> what is the, or actually, okay, no. AU stands for in the chemical, in like the periodic oh, table. Um, AU. Gold? I, I mean, you you know everything about the periodic table. 
Yeah, probably shouldn't have asked that. Um, hey, I could. Uh, for my second sports question, who is performing at the next Super Bowl halftime show? Is, okay, can you tell me there is an answer? Yeah, it, yeah. Taylor Swift. Rihanna. Dude, Rihanna has some good songs. Yeah. What is the highest grossing Broadway film? Bro- like musical or show Broadway. on Broadway? Show on Broadway. Um, do you have an answer? What? Lion King. Oh, oh, I, ah, that's so obvious. That's a no-brainer. I don't know how. Yeah. Okay. So you're two for three. Then, I'm one for three. Okay. What do you call someone from Wales? Welsh. Correct. I have a girl that's in my class who's parents are from wales okay wait so how, wait so what's the score right now two for you're two for three i'm two for four okay so yeah okay. what is the longest above water mountain range longest alps the andes the andes oh dang it so okay let's go two for five, four each okay um Oh, this might be too easy. Uh, what is the capital of Australia? Sydney. No. no. Canberra. I wasn't going to get that. How many interceptions has Patrick Mahomes thrown in this season? Okay, so for the win. Um, and gosh. He's played in 13 games. 13 games. Hmm. I'm going to say 10. 11. (laughs) So we go into sudden death. So close. All right. Dude, I cannot believe you guessed 1990 for the Berlin Wall. That was clutch. All right. Okay. Um, Bonus round one, sudden death. So, Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Which state is known as the Keystone State? I 100% know this, but I have to give a thought. The Keystone State, so I know the Golden State's California. I feel like Keystone State's got to be out west. I'm going to throw a curveball here. Okay. Is it Florida? No. Dang. It is um, Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. The Golden Boot. Award in soccer goes to the Golden Boot. Um, is it like the Walter Payton Man of the Year, but for soccer? Nope. Dang. Player with the most goals, non penalty okay. goals. Interesting. Um, Mbappe and Messi are pretty close. Okay. Uh, what currency do they use in Portugal? Euros. Correct. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Well, this one might is is pretty easy. What is the deadliest mammal in the world? Deadliest mammal? Jeez, are mosquitoes mammals? No. Bro, what? <laughs> okay, that was a stupid question. Um, <laughs> are mosquitoes mammals? Um, jeez. Oh, humans. What do you mean it's not humans? Hippos. Define deadliest, though. Like, kills the most humans. Then it would be humans. <laughs> Google it. 
Okay, Will, but uh, I'll, look, the hey animals, Siri, hey Siri. Okay, no, it's no. Hey Siri, hu, hu, I, I bet you humans kill more humans than hippos kill humans. Hey Siri, what is the deadliest mammal? No, Will, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna give you that one. The hippopotamus is the deadliest mammal and very aggressive. Okay, okay, look up, look up how many. No, humans no, dude. More, more it's humans a, have been killed by humans than than hippos. Humans don't count. Humans are mammals. Period. Blake. No. The question was, who is the deadliest land mammal? Or just deadliest yeah. mammal? The Humans answer, are mammals. The, the, but the answer, according to multiple sites, is the hippopotamus. End of story. I win. Sore loser. No, bye. I love absolutely you. absolutely not. No. Will. A mammal includes humans. Uh-huh. They're asking for the most... And you didn't even define deadly, by the way. Well, the question was... What if you had said killed... Like... What is the deadliest I, I, mammal? No. Okay. Yeah, you're going. You're on like some shady website. I actually I'm on my Team questions. Vogue. My questions are all these questions are reliable and authentic. I come up with them. I don't go on trivia websites. That's not true. That's a hundred percent true. Oh really? Yes. You Google some of the answers that you don't. Yeah, know. I know, but I come up with the questions. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, there's no. Let, let's call it a tie. How about that? No, dude. This is stupid. I didn't just go onto the site. I literally okay, okay. asked it the Google matter. of the phone, Shh. and okay. I won. It doesn't matter. It does matter. No. My competitive nature. Will. I won. Trust. 